This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. So Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. We're out on the road today at the Penny Lane Hotel, thanks to the Stephen Gerrard Academy. We'll be talking about the work of the Academy, what it's like to be involved in the courses and plenty more besides. We're focusing in on the women's game today here on the Blood Red podcast with Euro 2022 underway as well. And I'm pleased to say I've got Will Pickworth along with me for the ride. We're going to be chatting to uh, plenty of people. Will, we're going to speak to students, coaches and a uh, Liverpool women's player as well who is also already alongside us. But uh, yeah, really exciting to A, be out and about and B, talk about a uh, growing part of football. Yeah, hi Guy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant as you mentioned there briefly there. Uh, women's Euros kicked off this week and seeing so many fans at Old Trafford was brilliant and Liverpool women just got promoted back to the WSL. It's, it's a really exciting time. Yeah, definitely is a really exciting time to be involved. And first up to uh, join us, Liverpool women's Missy Bo Cairns. Uh, Missy Bo, thanks for, for joining us. And uh, in terms of the season you guys have had, you must be really looking forward to, albeit it's, it's pre-season now, what's ahead to come? Yeah, so it was my first day in pre-season today. Last season was very successful. We've done well as a team and all our hard work paid off. But now... The celebrations, our holidays, it's over and we're back in. Now we've got an eight-week pre-season and we're ready to kick off in the top league. I think it's going to be challenging and something to look forward for us all to see where we're actually at. We proved ourselves against WSL1 teams last season in the Cup. So now in a league, it's completely different. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, great to, to be here, isn't it, actually? And Brilliant see everyone in, 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 in person and speak about, I suppose, the, the work of the, the Stephen Jarrett Academy. But, uh, Missy, in terms of how you guys have, have got on the, the women's team in terms of getting back into the WSL Premier League One, I mean, an awful lot of work has gone into that. And I suppose for this coming season, whilst I'm sure pre-season will be hard, it's a case of readjusting yourselves to the level, but not just wanting to be there to make up the numbers. Yeah, I think the past few seasons have been hard. People underestimate the championship. It's completely different league to the WSL so when we was first in it we had loads of technical players and we was trying to play football but the pitches and stuff weren't great we was trying to play on so you had to adapt and I think that's why we struggled in the first season and some people had still had the shock of getting relegated due to COVID and other things everyone will have different excuses and stuff but the first season in the championship we weren't good enough and we had all fresh changes last season, new manager, new players, and we changed the way we played to suit that league. And I think you've got to be adaptable. It's like in men's football. If Liverpool, say, in the Premier League or any team in the Premier League may then play different in the Champions League, we had to then go from top flight football to not... It went a low level, but it was it's a different game, championship football to WSL. And I think that's what's going to be exciting is now we've got to snap back and adapt back to top flight football. We're playing against some of the best players in the world. They're in the English league now, so it's going to be exciting. And I can't wait to see where I'm at because I've proved myself in the championship and I can't wait to see where the team is at as well. How, how big was uh, the manager, obviously, 
an iconic manager being there before, winning two WSL titles. How big an impact did he have coming well, in last summer? For me, it was like a big impact. When I was in under-11s, he was then the first team manager. So he'd come to our presentations, he'd present us with our trophies and stuff. And we was looking up and, and on that day when I was like, I was eight and I'm looking up thinking, I want to play for him. Then football changes and at a young age, you don't realise that managers change. So then I've worked my way through the ranks and then he's back. And from that little girl wanting to play for him because he was winning league titles and stuff and I was watching them celebrate as a fan and as a youth academy player to then he's come back and you've heard good stories. He's successful at the club. It was, I couldn't wait and I needed, I think, a fresh breath of air of new faces and to help me kick on and he come in and, told me straight from day one what he wants me to work on, what he wants more from me and we get on fine and I think he's brought that out in me and other girls may say different from theirs because I've been at the club for so long. It's it's been mad because I never played for him when he was first here but I used to watch him manage. It was interesting. You must have a, a unique perspective. Just listening to you speaking there about kind of it's almost a decade ago, isn't it? That that first WSL sort of side that was built. And I remember when the American ownership came in at Liverpool, there was a lot of talk about how much investment there was going to be in the women's team. But over the decade, there have been highs winning the title. There have been lows as well in terms of even maybe lack of investment in the women's side of the game. But as, as a local player who's come through the ranks and a huge red, we'll get into to that shortly as well. It must be refreshing to now see kind of the serious nature that's now been put back on the, the women's team. Yeah, I think it also comes on us performing. I think the more we perform as a team and do well, then the more the club will probably want to ba- yeah. more back us. And I think when we got relegated, the club, Liverpool Football Club, whether it's men, women, the younger kids, they shouldn't be in. They should be in the top team. We're a big club. We're worldwide. We've got fans everywhere. And I think... That made the club realise maybe we're not doing enough to then help us. I don't know what to say. We're getting. No, but I mean, give you, I suppose, give you the best opportunity of succeeding. So I think the step back, getting relegated and stuff, I think then made them push on even more and help. And I think not only that, Liverpool have got to keep up with the likes of other clubs now. The women's game's growing every year and. As big of a club Liverpool is, I see as the biggest club in the world. So they should be is that pushing. The key thing? Is that the key thing? Sorry to interrupt you, but is that is that the key thing? Do you think with where women's football is? I mean, I, I have to hold my hands up. I'm not the biggest watcher of the women's game, but now it's on Sky. It's opened up my eyeballs to it, and I, I do see a lot more of it than maybe I did even five, ten years ago. But it feels as though women's football is getting to a stage now where you see kind of the launch of Manchester United, Manchester City playing at their Etihad campus and how serious they're taking it. That that professional nature of it is if a club like Liverpool didn't act and stayed almost in a slumber of being in the second tier, it's either now get involved or you'll be left behind. Yeah, I think because the game's growing, I think the more money you put into it, the more successful you probably will be. It's not there in paper, like signed, that's that's true. But I think it's in anything, if you look, the more money you put into anything, the better you'll get. If you go to the shop and you buy something, say, worth 
£10 a dishcloth. It might last longer than something you pay for 50p for. It's just, like, a different way of putting it. Like, the more... It's nutrition. If you invest in that, that'll help us perform better. It's just little things, and I think people on the outside don't realise how much the clubs have to put in for us to perform at our best and the staff that they bring in. It's it's a bigger picture than what people on the outside see and I think that's important and the way the women's game's going and growing, clubs are going to have to grow with the game otherwise yeah. we'll be back in square one. Someone that's, you talk about the club supporting you there, Jürgen Klopp, he's been a big fan of all the all your achievements. Um, what have your engagement been with him? Has he been a help? Yeah, I think when we see him on shoots and stuff, he's straight over, he's friendly. He's, he always asks how he is getting on, I've seen your results, how are you getting on? He's a proper people person. And I think like when we won the cup, he made sure we was on the parade with them and higher up in the club also made sure of that. We celebrated after he was right over to us just as much as he would his own players. And for us, we look up to him as a role model. Like, it's Jürgen Klopp. He's done this for... He's won so much for Liverpool and especially me. I'm, like, still starstruck. Like, wow. But then to be just talking to him, having a general conversation, it's, like, it's, it's, it's unreal. Like, to have that opportunity, not anyone in the street could say, oh, Jürgen Klopp was asking how I was getting on. Do you know what I mean? How, how was the parade with, the, with all both men's and women's team? It was the best day of my life. It's hard to explain, but the amount of people and like recognition and stuff that we got as a club, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of that emotion, I'm sure yourself as a little girl being a red you've been on the other side of that watching kind of the bus go through the city in terms of how many people turned out and obviously there'd, there'd been the disappointment for the men's team the day before but that gratitude of the support base all coming together as a club to cheer you guys I mean what what was the emotion there for you for me it was very emotional like I was a little girl watching that parade go around as you've just said and to be then part of it it's something you never I never thought would happen and for it to happen it was like the best day of my life I can't say it was a dream come true because I'd never thought of about being on the parade I didn't think it'd ever be possible and it was I still get emotional speaking about it because the things we've seen the amount of people like it was unbelievable yeah I suppose you probably just got the smoke out of your eyes from going yeah. down the strand that was that was absolutely <laughs> incredible and the yeah. fireworks and I mean Calvin Harris as well he was he know we turned up and they've said Calvin Harris is DJing on the bus I was like wow <laughs> and then obviously you took me back in pre-season today how was the how was the first first session yeah, it was good to get back into things. I think getting back into routine and stuff, we've got testing out the way and now it's eight weeks of hard work and then a season full of hard work and I just love being back in football. I think I've been lost for the past few weeks when I haven't been in football, so I'm really excited for the season and to test myself. And that, that first came back in the WSL with the fans, obviously, um, last season was your first break, first season with fans at the at the ground. How was that last season having all the Liverpool? Yeah, I think it was good to, to have the fans back. They have a big impact on us, and they were coming to home away games. And I think they sometimes got us through games, which we 
where we was having to dig in deep. And I think Liverpool are known for the fans and the women's fans and the men's fans, they're both unbelievable. Like, it's hard the impact they have on the club is such a big thing and the players notice it, the staff notice it and it doesn't go unnoticed. Is it only when you live it you realise how big Liverpool Football Club is? Because we know how successful it is and even your own kind of position as a, as a fan, how, how much do you remain a fan as much as you're obviously playing yourself and invested the the club, as I say, when you're there on the inside, you must just see absolutely how huge it is. Yeah, I knew from a kid, it's massive. I was seven, eight, and I was going to Madrid to watch Champions League games with my family. Like, not many teams do that. You've got to be elite to go to Champions League, to, comp- uh, to get in the Champions League and... I used to go on holiday and you could always buy Liverpool kits. You'd always see fans in Liverpool kits. And I think it opens your eyes up of how much impact the club has on people from all over the world. It's everywhere. Is that your ambition now then, in terms of playing to get the women's side to that level? We've seen the, the, the standards that the likes of Lyon, Barcelona, even, even at home, Arsenal and Chelsea, Manchester City have set. Is your aim to say, right, the men's team are there. The women's team needs to be there too. Yes, of course. I think everyone's aims the same. Everyone wants to be achieving as much as they can in their career. And I think now's a time where women's football's on the up, as I said before. And it's a perfect time for to keep improving and trying our hardest to compete with the top teams. And I think as a club, it's possible. It's just whether how long it'll take or... It does stuff like that doesn't happen overnight and it's going to be a long process but I think soon we could be competing yeah definitely and uh, so many iconic players have played for Liverpool over the years so many have worn the number seven shirt you're obviously the number seven for the women's team how do you do you find that puts pressure on you or how do you deal with that or is that something you relish well the story behind it was the manager rang me and he said do you want to change your number and I was like what to he was like number seven and I've said that's a winger's number I'm a midfielder. He went, Luis Suarez wearing a winger, Kenny Daglish wearing a winger. I said, go on, I'll have it then. <laughs> so then from then, it's, as you said, it is an iconic shirt. The players who are wearing, wearing it and have wore it have had such an impact on the club. And I think, I just don't think too much into it because a number's just a number. You're playing for the badge on the front. You could have number 100, number 70. It makes no difference. It's the way you perform. No, most definitely. Interesting and refreshing to to kind of hear that. And obviously your clear passion for it. In terms of, let's talk about kind of last season for the men's side as well, the success that they had. And I mean, almost doing that unprecedented quadruple I mean how much did you get to you were at the Champions League final I'm right in saying wasn't I? In, I mean in terms of that the ride they they went on from an athlete's perspective you must be able to kind of appreciate just how much that took that they played 60 odd games they played every game available to them in the season and and really gave the fans a chance to dream you've just said it there they played every game possible they could have played in like that's some going any athlete or 
footballer knows how intense that is because it's not only the matches, the training every day, the recovering. They probably didn't have many off days because they've got another game in two days. So the soon as one's over, they're preparing for the next. And I think the dedication and the hard work that people don't see behind the scenes should get recognised more. I think people are quick to criticise if teams don't do well and stuff but as a footballer myself I've never played 64 games I think it was in the season was it 64 it was something like that I've never played that many games but why I've played in it's tough and you're drained at the end of it but they've the work they've put in to maintain the fitness to still be competing working around injuries if squad picks up injuries and being adaptable it's unbelievable what they've done and how uh, you mentioned him before but um, I mean Jurgen Klopp as well how he keeps that number of players happy over I mean obviously there's there's enough games in 60 odd to to keep everyone chomping at the bit and keep everybody involved in things but to to know and manage the schedule in how he has done to ensure that Liverpool maximised it to the level they did. And, and and just the way in which he does manage not just the team, but the club. He, he's an unbelievable, even ambassador for Liverpool, isn't he? Yeah, I think he has a big impact on the club and on the players, the way he goes about things. He's doing something right. I don't know exactly what he does because I haven't been part of his team in a sense. I'm not in his dressing room, but from the outside, you can see... Everyone's always smiling, giving each other hugs at the end of the game, regardless if they played or they never. And I think that's one thing that's the best in a team is if you get on as a team, there's an unbreakable bond. And I think that's what we had last season. Our dressing room, it was always smiling. There was no bad eggs. And I think it has such an impact. And I think Klopp's the same. He won't allow no bad eggs in his squad. And talking about the men's team, obviously you both were on the parade. Do you hope in future years, maybe next season, there'll be more chance to play at Anfield, a few more games there? Hopefully. It's my dream to play at Anfield and I think all the other girls would love to play at Anfield too. But as I said, it'll have to come with our... We'll have to perform to be getting the opportunities. You can't just be getting things gifted to us. And, like, I don't want to say nothing. I don't... (laughs) Anyone's dream is to play at Anfield. It's one of the most famous stadiums in the in the world. It's known for its atmosphere, the history. I think I'd love it and I know all the girls would. And being a young player in the women's game at the moment, we spoke before about how the women's game is absolutely flying. You see, obviously, the Euros kicked off last night. I think there were more than 68,000 fans at Old Trafford. Do you feel like you've, you obviously your, your career is growing at a time where the sport is just taking off back in the WSL next year? Does that excite you? Yeah, I think I've come into the game at a perfect age and I'm grateful for all the women who've set it off for us and now it's our time, my generation, to kick the game on even more for the next generation and I think it's got to keep going as a cycle, improving and improving. So in 20 years, you don't know where the women's game could be at. It's could be scary the way how fast and how quick it's growing and I think for the Euros it's exciting it's at England they won last night it's a good start and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the tournament and I wish them the best of luck how big is it this summer that I mean for all the conjecture that there is that the the World Cup in Qatar is in the winter 
for the women's game, it presents a huge opportunity, doesn't it? It's basically a football-free summer for the women's team to grab the nation's hearts. And as you say, really explode even more onto the mainstream with the fact that so many of the games are on terrestrial TV. It's not as though they are hidden behind subscription services and a chance for, if they can go all the way, to really kind of cement the growth of the women's game. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think it's happened at a great time where the game's on its up. And as you said, there's not going to be men's football on really anytime soon because most teams will be just being pre-season playing behind closed doors at first while these games are going on and any football fan loves watching football I'll go and watch Sunday league football I'll go and watch kids football so if if you really love football that much it doesn't matter whether it's women playing or men playing or kids playing you should people will put it on the telly and the more people who watch it the more people tell people say did you watch that should have seen that goal and that's what will have the knock-on effect to help the game grow even more the stickers out now young girls young boys instead of just collecting match attacks say there's euros stickers for the women's team and i think people might learn players names and get more oh i've got it in a pack there she is on the telly Stuff like that will help grow the game. Yeah, that relatability, most certainly. Uh, let's talk about the, the Stephen Gerrard Academy then. We are here at the Penny Lane Hotel. And uh, in terms of your involvement in the academy, no, you you kind of haven't specifically come through the route of the academy itself, but you do have plenty of involvement. Yeah, I'm the women's ambassador at the Stephen Gerrard Academy. When I got asked to do the role, it was a no-brainer. I like giving back and I think it's a... Girls see me as a role model. I just see myself as Missy Bow. I haven't changed. And some of the girls, the, it's great that they're going to college. And I'm just trying to boost so many girls to keep playing football because at an age of 16 and stuff, when people go to college and stuff, people might grow out of it. But it's where keeping girls, you can do your college and you can play football at the same time. What more do you want? And I think that's what I really want to have an impact on. And what's your sort of advice for young boys, young girls at the Stephen Gerrard Academy? I think always give 100%, whether it's your work or whether it's your football or in anything you do, because you never know who's watching just because you might be playing for your college team, but there might be a lower league team or scouts watching your game. You never know and it's never too late. But on the education side, touch wood, I'm all right and I don't get an injury, but football's a cruel game it's not always on the up you could get injuries you might you need education to fall back on now you need to have results and qualifications behind you to get jobs and that's how you earn your living is by working just on that that point as well I suppose of, of perseverance as well for for girls of so often the, the statistics are high of girls getting to, to 15, 16 and then dropping out of even playing just competitive sport in general, let alone football. But that perseverance, and especially given the growth and the exponential growth that the women's game is going through, that, that advice of kind of you never know who is watching really does ring true, doesn't it? Because teams are being put together so quickly and so rapidly and that development phase of players, even when they are 16 to, to 19, kind of that ability to develop skill sets is, is crucial, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a really big thing. And I think it's the more people, 
up a look, girls or boys might see that there's a pathway or that there's a chance, the more they'll be hungry and wanting to do it. And I think, especially with women's football, now you're seeing that there's opportunities to watch it on the TV. A young girl might have thought about quitting it, but then they're seeing women's football on Sky. Oh, I want to be on Sky. That's that's something for me to look, to aim for, to dream for. And I think if you don't have dreams and ambitions, then while you open your eyes up, you're just living each day, not knowing what you want in your life, what you're opening up to do. Where from a young age, I've said, I want to be a footballer. My mum wanted me to do ballet. I wanted to be a footballer and I worked hard and still working hard now because I'm not the footballer I want to be. And I think that's the thing. You've got to have dreams, things that you want to achieve in your life. I think that's one thing for young people to to recognise now. Obviously, everyone's different. Some careers may be different may go down one route to change to another route it's in anything that you do there's ups and downs but it's just to keep working hard and keep chasing your dream you sound like that that fire inside burns really deep anyway but I, I was gonna say to you which i, I think is going to probably be a, a stupid question to ask and you'll say i push myself on regardless but being involved in the, the stephen gerrard academy as an ambassador and having the young girls looking up to you as a role model does that push you on even more or are you already trying to be the the, the best Missy Bow that you can be anyway I'm always trying to be the best Missy Bow I can be as you said but it makes me hungrier because I'm focusing on my career I'm still not the player I want to be I'm 21 I'm still learning every single day but doing this role as well it opens my eyes up more I didn't really enjoy school and college and stuff I got my qualifications so I can go to uni if I wanted to but it wasn't for me at the time and I think to drive that young girls to get the qualifications. So say, if you're not ready for university now, but you might be in four or five years, if you've got your qualifications, then you can go back anytime. If you're 25 and still haven't got your qualifications, are you really going to want to go back to college? Like once you pass that step, you, you're working, then you could have family, you've got to look after, you've got to 25 you've got to start getting your foot on the ground haven't you and I think people need to realize that it all happens when you're 15 16 17 18 it sets you up for life yeah definitely those foundations are set but uh, Missy Bode thanks so much for for joining us been a real insight into the uh, the growth of the women's game but also your role here with the, the Stephen Gerrard Academy so so thanks for joining us. thank you the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo we're going to continue now by speaking to a couple of the players here at the Stephen Gerrard Academy. Hannah Pennington and Millie Kate Riley are with myself and Will. And uh, girls, first of all, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, in terms of your involvement in the academy, uh, first of all, I'll ask you, Hannah, how did it how did it come about? Um, I just saw it online and I just saw all about the football. So I thought I'd just apply and then they got back to me straight away, to be honest, and said, come down to, because it was pre-season at the time said come down to training so I came down and then when it actually started the year then I had to start doing classes and lessons and stuff so it was just dead easy online. How much of how much of I suppose the draw of being able to combine 
the football and the studies was kind of the draw to it. Because I've just been speaking to Missy Bow there and she was she was kind of reiterating the point that actually she didn't particularly enjoy school all too much with what it was, but it was an important grounding to get to get her qualifications. But having an academy like this where you can combine, I suppose, is a really attractive thing. Yeah, I don't like school really either, all the schoolwork, but you just come in in the morning and then it's on the laptop. You try and get all your assignments done. Um, you do it at home as well, and then when you've done with that, straight into football. So you get two hours of football, like mostly every day, and then matches. So it's just so good. You guys have recently been out to, to Tenerife. Do you want to tell us kind of what you got up to out there? Um, yes, we went out there for two weeks. As like the main part of it was a football tour, but like we also done other stuff out there. So like we trained at Tenerife Top Training, like one of the top facilities in the world, and um, we played trained there, used the gym there. Used the running track there, used all the facilities there, which they were absolutely great. And then we played three games there too, against Spanish clubs. We won all three games, luckily. And then we went on other trips as well, throughout the trip. No, good job, you you flying the flag well abroad and, and getting that chance to kind of play <laughs> abroad as well. That opportunity, I suppose, to, to go abroad as well within kind of the... the curriculum of, of what you guys have, have got up to within your involvement at the academy must also have really been like an, an eye-opener to seeing how things are done elsewhere as well. Yeah, 100%. Like, if I wouldn't have came to SGA, I think I've had half the experiences that I've been able to do and been able to like persuade in my future because of SGA. So like, just to go on that trip, play football abroad, playing the Spanish culture and everything, it was just amazing for everyone. How was it uh, playing against Spanish sides? Did you notice a big difference? Um, we played two different teams. The first team that we played, we played against them twice. And they were just a little bit younger than us. But like they were still good. Like They were very good with defeating the ball work and everything. We still managed to win them. Like, But the second team were a bit older than us. They gave us a bit of a challenge. And like we were getting beat by them at first, but then we still bounced up and won against them. So to win all three games against Spanish teams was just brilliant. Yeah, that's really impressive. And then with the obviously the football side, we talked briefly about the educational side. What what does that consist of? Is it sort of I read online it was sports coaching, sports development? Yeah, that... it's like um, to these different courses at the college depends on what grade you're in GCSE. I do the level three BTech extended diploma sports coaching, and um, that's online as well as in lesson. So we have plenty of time in the classroom with our tutors doing assignments and that. And then obviously, you know, we have the football, so it's a good balance. And without the football, obviously I don't think I'd enjoy it as much as what I do. And we've just had uh, Missy Bowen here talking. Having uh, role models like that with the academy, is she someone you guys look up to? Um, yeah, she's obviously, I think mostly all the girls look up to her who play football nowadays because she's just like gone so big now and she's a, obviously a, a good player and that. So, yeah, I think everyone looks up to her. Wait. How sorry? How exciting is it being a young girl coming through and, and playing football, seeing firsthand the the investment that's going into the women's game? Yeah, because yesterday the um, England Joros, I was there myself. I went and the like the atmosphere. It was like being at a men's game. Like it, I was like sitting back thinking it's changed so much. It was like sixty thousand people there, there, and it was just. Like, amazing, to be honest. Yeah, in, in, and in terms of it, I mean, it, it must give you a real kind of enthusiasm for even yourselves of, of what could potentially come, whether or not you, you end up playing, like, professional football. But 
the trickle down effect even within that within i suppose the the establishment that's being set up within women's football anyway yeah it does like make you want to push more and try harder to get to like that level because now you see what they're doing and what they're actually playing like with and where they're playing like old trafford a big stadium it does push you more i think yeah millie kate what about you yourself and kind of seeing I suppose even as Missy Bo said, the, the the Liverpool ladies uh, women's side and them getting back to the WSL and how the investments improved there of just so much seems to be so much focus at the moment. It feels as though it's really a time where women's football can capitalise. Yeah, hundred percent. Like come from a few years ago to now, the women's football has grown unbelievable amounts, and it's good that loads of people are actually investing in it now because I think that we're just can be as good as what the men's game is. And as Hannah said before about the Euros last night, like having 60,000 fans at Old Trafford, women's Euros, like, you can't ask for a better night, really, can you? Or ask for anything better for women's right now. No, and I suppose this summer, no Men's World Cup as well. It, the spotlight is on the women's game. Yeah, 100%. And I think that like it should be like that sometimes because, don't me wrong, we all love the men's football and we all support it and everything. But for us girl footballers, especially like a young age, we want that to be us one day, like what the men get. And I think it's slowly getting there, but it is getting there at a point too. I just think that it's amazing. In terms of the Steam Jarrett Academy, there there have been success stories come out of it to, to make their way to professional football, like likes of, of Paul Mullin and Elliot Nevitt at, at Tramir Rovers as well. Is that the hope for, for you girls, that you can you can go through being at the academy and, and make it in the game? Yeah, 100%. Like my idea ending from this college is for a scholarship in America, which I've pretty much kind of got. Like, I'm on my way there, and the college have helped me a lot with that. And so that's my next step in my professional career. What about yourself, Hannah? Um, just anything to do with football, obviously. I would I would want it to be professional, but just anything to do with football. I would just want to play football or coach football. Or, but obviously my end goal was to try and get professional. Which is, of course, you're on, on the academy, because I suppose... Within that, it's a case of, I suppose it's a case of within it, as you say there, playing is the ideal thing, but the academy also sets you up for understanding and knowing what a professional environment is like within football. Yeah, I'm on the course level three C-Tech diploma. Um, that's like a lot of like coaching and like getting to like, just like, like getting to know like how to coach and what like it'll be like to be a coach and like other things like, just working with sports, so like in a sports centre, the health and safety things we learn about. So it's just all about sports, to be honest. Even if it's not about football, we're still learning on sport itself. So. And I think, Hannah, you said this is your first year. Millie, Kate, I think you were in your second year, did you say? What's What's been your best moment so far as part of the Stephen Gerrard Academy? Going Tenerife. That was the best moment so okay, far. I'd have to agree with that one too. Yeah, that was just an amazing experience, to be honest. What was the best thing about that? Because I, w- I was going to follow up by saying, I suppose you mentioned playing, but also just learning everything behind the scenes. And you spoke about the facilities you were opened up to out there, is actually learning all of the different elements of what puts together a professional environment. Yeah, so we was there at the top training. We like could see professional athletes, footballers ourselves, so just watching them doing the fitness and running around the track and in the gym. And then that's just like opened my eyes to like how hard it is to be like how hard they work as well. But it was just like playing in that heat and then in them facilities. It's just amazing. 
Are you guys in pre-season as well now yourselves ahead of the season? How does that work? Our season just ended a few weeks ago and then obviously we just got back from Tenerife so they've gave us a little month or so break but pre-season starts again in two weeks and we're going to be doing it like twice or three times a week. Obviously, good intensity and that before the season starts. So you are pretty much continually going round the year in terms of what you are doing, like you say, finish the season and then straight out to Tenerife. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like They give us a fair amount of break that like we should get but like it's also like as if it's not stopping because like, even if we're not playing football, we're doing our work for it. So it's like, you know, we focus a lot on SGA. Yeah, no, most definitely. Well, girls, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate that. And uh, for, I suppose, lifting the lid on what goes on at the Stephen Gerrard Academy. And uh, good to hear about your, your time in Tenerife as well. Thank you. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, having spoke to the girls there involved at the Stephen Gerrard Academy, it is a delight to welcome Carla Lee to the uh, Blood Red podcast to talk about the uh, Stephen Gerrard Academy and her involvement as the lead on the girls' programme. Carla, thanks for, for joining us. And I mean, listening to what the girls said, we were both really taken away at kind of what's on offer at the Stephen Gerrard Academy and must kind of be really exciting to, to get your teeth into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, everything that we spoke about, especially with the head of football at the moment, Todd, on what we want to do going forward and what we want to achieve for the girls and obviously the Stephen Gerrard Academy. It sounds really intriguing and um, that's something that I really want to invest my time in going into the future. Yeah, you were saying before, Will, that you would have loved the yeah, opportunity I wish I'd yourself. Found this yeah. opportunity. But uh, they, um, obviously we were talking a bit with the others as well about the Women's Euros kicked off last night. It's Women's football is just came through the roof 68,000 fans there last night it's a real great time to be involved with it yeah well especially when you look back 10-15 years ago now the steps that it's made from then to now has, has been massive and it's been a roller coaster ride especially the last uh, two to four years um, especially last night watching there was 68,000 there which was brilliant to watch obviously um, and we're, we're the heading now and it gives so many more opportunities for young girls now to go into football or if that's not football, then it's how we can help them achieve the goals in other aspects of the sport. Um, so that's what we're trying to do here at Stephen Gerrard Academy. Sounds like everyone wants to get involved in this podcast and, and the programme as well. well. We'll continue, but Carla, in terms of um, the academy and your work within it and working with the young girls and pushing on their development, I suppose yourself, you will have seen over the last 10, 15 years, if this kind of opportunity, if I'd sat here and told you this was going to happen, you probably would have said, oh, not for the women's game. It might just be for the boys and the men's game side of it. But whilst I'm sure the girls we speak to and Missy Bow in particular realise how much growth is going on, it must be so exciting to also be one of the people who's helping to bring through that next group of girls and and really, I suppose, drum into them just how significant this growth is. Yeah, so obviously my past experiences um, when I was the girl's age, when I was Millie and Hannah's age, I didn't have these opportunities. Um, so obviously seeing what we can achieve for them um, and push them in the right directions has been fantastic so far. Um, but where the game's growing to now, it's only going to get bigger and better, which has been really good. So when I was their age, 18 to 20, I was in college, but they didn't obviously offer programs which give you that more professionalism and um, where you can go into school and achieve that top training um, on a day-to-day basis. We we wasn't obviously introduced that when we were a lot younger, uh, but seeing that now and how I can help 
help the girls going forwards. It's going to be a really, really interesting year anyway. And the, the girls before were speaking about the qualifications they get as well as all the football they do. That must be a great pride for yourself and develop not just as footballers, but as, as people as well. So obviously in the in the women's game now, I think the best thing is as always to have that dual career as well and have them opportunities to have plan B and C. Um, so what we can offer at Stephen Gerrard Academy is lots of different roles within the sport and game, but also um, to offer you them A-levels as well for them experiences to move on to your, your education in university or if that's to progress into anything else that you need to do. So I think the opportunities now is a lot, a lot, lot better, um, especially in the last five years, but especially right now in the women's game, it's, it's huge for them. And with those uh, role models, we spoke about the Euros being on, on TV and 68,000 people in there. Having someone like Missy Bow involved with the Stephen Gerrard Academy, how important is that for the girls to look up to someone? Well, having Missy here and knowing her career and what she's achieved in, in such a short period of time anyway. Um, so she starts out in grassroots um, to obviously get herself into a position now where she can. She, she's a professional and she's training every day and but seeing her progression, their journey is only going to motivate the girls who are coming into the college to want to achieve them goals also. Anyone who's who's listening to this, who whether it be a young girl who's thinking about what next steps are or whether it be a parent thinking, actually, my young girl would really enjoy a, a, a programme like this and a project like this. It's one of those, isn't it, where not until maybe you're opened up to this, you realise just how many, even within football, career routes there are. The, the girls were talking themselves about their their desires and hopes to to maybe fall into coaching one day. But then within that, there are so many different subcategories, aren't there? Yeah, so Millie at the moment's moving into a third year and she's going to be doing a media course which is going to be fantastic for her and um, for this next year. And she's going to be helping a lot out with our socials and helping us with our media around, obviously, what we're doing throughout the season, which is fantastic for her. But like I say, especially in the women's game, it's always good to have that backup with that dual career because even as a professional, you still need to have the backup to um, have that dual career because the contracts that you receive are only short contracts. So it's always good to have that little bit of extra behind you as well. Yeah, I suppose the women's game has come a long way, but there's even further to go. Yeah, still still much further, especially with contract lengths. Um, I think the most that you see nowadays is three years. Um, so it's it's not that you can really base a, a career on or a, a life a life on straight away. So you always need to make sure that you've got that back up there as well. Yeah, no, most definitely. Kind of moving forward then and yourself, I suppose, starting earnest in, in September, is it you say with the, the Stephen Gerrard Academy? Before that, I was talking to the girls before they say they've got a couple of weeks now having come back from Tenerife and then it's pre-season. Pre-season, straight into it, yeah. So the part that nobody likes as a professional or as an amateur, um, it's the bit where we find out what kind of character you are um, on the pitch and off the pitch. Um but it's going to be enjoyable, but it's also going to be hard work for the girls. So I'm really looking forward to getting getting really into that. How much are the demands and I suppose the focus there on the sporting side of it then? We've spoken a lot about the academic side, but surely on the pitch, you guys want to push on and be as strong as you can be? Yeah, so individually I want to make each player better, but as a team as a whole as well, as we want to achieve a lot this season. 
Um, so we'll be doing all the graft after work as well. So that's including all um, your gym work, your S&C work, all your analysis. So we'll be doing that as part as part of obviously the training as well as everything else. So it's it's not just going to be training of a day and then playing on um, another day. It's going to be everything else behind that. So how we can help them with their rehab, how we can help them with the S&C, which is the gym work, and then the analysis behind that. So how we can improve them with their tactical awareness and stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh, really good. Any any particular aims for the uh, girls section this year? Or is it just about as you say improving each player as much as you can in all facets of the I game? I think in individually, I think that's that's my main target is to improve them individually, and then as a team, um, what I want to do is I want to be re- realistic with their goals and what they can achieve, but also want to try and push them to their limits and what what we can achieve as an individual, but as a team as well is where where I come into play and. That's where my main focus will be this season. Is it trying to teach and prepare the girls for what a professional environment is? When you were speaking there about like the analysis and everything, I was I, I was actually surprised because I didn't know it was going to be that kind of thorough and in depth that you go. You really do open them up to if you make it to the professional standard, whether that be coaching in a dual career, as you say, as well as playing maybe amateur, or whether as a as a pro player. This is what you're going to expect. Yeah, so on a day-to-day basis, we we train and we play as what a professional would do. So we'll train and we'll gym every day of the week as well as play. And then on the back of that, obviously, we'll have analysis meetings and we're making sure that they're keeping up to date um, up to everything that they're supposed to be doing, eating-wise, uh, the nutrition. So they'll be basically a professional outside of a professional game so we're trying to prepare them for if they do take that next step into that career or if they want to take a step into getting involved within that career so being an analysis being an S&T coach being a coach being a nutritionist so they can obviously get um, they can shadow what it'd be like and what the feel would be like what it'd be like in a professional game Millie was telling us that next step for her looks like she's going to be trying to get a, a scholarship in America. Yeah. That has long time kind of been a thing that the women's game is the scholarships on offer out in America. How big for you is, is that kind of having, I suppose, that kind of pathway to that level of success of moving girls on to that next step? Because for, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it would probably, or would it be unlikely for you to see girls go straight from the academy into say a, a WSL even development side or whatever into the professional game that way is there kind of that link through that the link the links are there obviously we're open at, at Stephen Gerrard Academy we're not officially linked to any academy at the moment but what we have got is we've got connections throughout the country and we've got connections abroad and we've also got connections within the game um, which will help us an awful lot so we're not just stuck to one team Um realistically where the girls ambitions are and where they need to be at is on an individual basis so obviously I'll meet the girls in pre-season see them throughout the season and we'll we'll be honest about our opinions on where we think their next their next line will be but at the end of the day it's where the girls want to be and where their motivations towards so we'll help and push them towards that as much as possible with what connections we've got. It's really fascinating, Carla, to hear all the in-depth stuff, the analysis, S&C, obviously the football as well. I remember when I was 16, 17, sometimes be a bit lazy. How do you ensure all the all the discipline with the girls at, at, at that age? I think it's just creating an environment that they're happy in. 
it's about having that relationship, having that bond with individuals and, and as a group, knowing that they, they feel they can trust you and feel safe in, in what you're trying to achieve for them as individuals and as a team. That's why I always like to specify, first of all, that it's about the individual, not as, not as well, obviously the team is, it comes into play, but the individual always comes first to me um, as a person before a player. So I'll always find out, obviously, everything about them, how I can help them going forward. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's what what I can do to help them achieve their goals. Is it big for you to have a girl come through the ranks who you can you can point to as the pinup star of look, she's come through the academy, obviously the men's programme, the boys' programme, have had a few examples like that. But for you, I suppose it is a case of being able to see a girl get to as high a standard within the professional game that you can and say, this is this is our person. Obviously, Missy Bo is an ambassador as well, feeds into that. Yeah, so obviously we'd love to have every single player move on to that next, that next step in their journey. But like I say, it's not everyone's. This not everyone's on the same route. So that's why I like to say it's always about the individual and how 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 we can help them um, through the academy to um, whatever steps they want to take next. But having that one person who do, do obviously take that next step to get into the WSL would be a fantastic achievement. And obviously, that at the beginning of the season is everybody's goal to get into that position. It's just how we can help them get there at the beginning. And uh, the Tenerife trip, sound, I know you weren't on it yourself, but it sounded amazing. Are there any yeah. more plans for trips abroad like yeah, that? Yeah, we've got, well, we've got a few little plans um, over pre-season. So hopefully um, it'll be in the country, but hopefully we'll go on a little tour at the end of August. Um, and then next year it'll be um, similar again. It'll probably be Tenerife and um, fingers crossed for Dallas as well. So hopefully we can get on the two again. But we've, as we say, we've got loads of links over. We've got Tenerife and we've got Alicante as well. So we've got a few few places that we can go to. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I bet you are. Nice little tap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> but even within that, it's opening the girls up, isn't it, to level of facility and different environments? Yeah, so it's... It's one of them where they've they're taken out of their comfort zone. So seeing how they react out of their comfort zone, and that's something that they'll have to get used to if they do make that next step into the professional game. Um, so it's being prepared to help them along that journey. Well, Carla, thanks an awful lot for for joining us here on the Blood Red podcast, and to everyone at the uh, Penny Lane Hotel for for putting us up and speaking to us about this Stephen Gerrard Academy and everything in between. As I say, won't take any more of your time, but thanks a lot for for coming in. Thank you very much. The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, thanks to Carla for joining us, as well as Hannah, Millie and Missy Bo as well here on the Blood Red podcast. Will, we uh, have dragged you out of the office and out here to the Penny Lane Hotel. Hope it's been worth your while today. It's been fascinating, Guy. Yeah, no, it has been a real good time. And uh, yeah, plenty of uh, interesting things we've learned this afternoon, certainly about the Stephen Gerrard Academy as well. There'll be a link in the description of the podcast for more about the Academy. But from myself, Guy Clark and Will Pickworth, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.